Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I'm fascinated by my next door neighbor. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he's a leading cardiologist. Since I moved to this particular part of London, Neil and I have started to become friends. As our polite greetings over the fence turned into family barbecues and drinks down the local pub. But with unfettered access to someone with a job that is so far away from my own, I'm desperate to find out more about his industry, one that is quite literally a matter of life and death. In The Doctor Next Door, my brand new podcast, I'll be doing my utmost to learn all about Neil as a medical professional, but also Neil as a person. Because, believe it or not, even doctors have lives outside of the operating theatre. But this podcast isn't just here to feed my own curiosities. I want you to be involved in these conversations too. So whether you live next door to a doctor, are a doctor, or want to use my access to a doctor to your own advantage, send your questions, thoughts, and stories to doctor at nextdoorpod.com now. Oh, hang on a second. That must be the doctor next door. Hello, David. (laughs) Sorry Hello, to doctor. disturb you. <laughs> Welcome. I just thought I'd pop over for a cup of tea. <laughs> How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Welcome to this Radio 4 production that I'm putting on in my own kitchen. Um, doctor, it's good to see you. I've just spotted one of the neighbourhood foxes. Yes, it's right behind you, actually, David. He just he went past and he went past again. Now, at time of record, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. It's getting brazen, Doctor. I mean, I know, I know you're not a vet and we're not here to badmouth foxes. They have to... Well, are they, is he back again? He's behind no, me. No, he's so just hidden now. Right now. Yeah. I leave to do a breakfast show very early in the morning, and sometimes I'm greeted with them on the road, staring at me with their shiny eyes. And I must admit, even though I'm an animal lover, it freaks me out a little bit. Have you been greeted by the neighbourhood foxes first thing in the morning? Uh, I think you're quite a brave man, David. I have the same sort of problems, really. Firstly... I don't know if you've tried to sleep at night, but our back garden overlooks one of the areas where they seem to want to hunt and sleep and do other things. Yeah. And um, they howl all night. They keep me up all night. But my weirdest memory, actually, is uh, sometimes, as you know from my job, I'm on call. So sometimes I get called out at you know midnight, two in the morning, and I'm driving home having done an emergency operation or something like that. And I drive home, and you're trying to park. You're a bit bleary-eyed. It's a sort of... Two, three in the morning, and there's a fearless fox as you open the door, looking out at you as you're trying to enter your front door. 
I think it takes a lot of bravery to get past them. Our neighbourhood is filled with them. It's nice to hear you say that because what, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I'm scared of the foxes and I've got to go and interview Ed Sheeran. You're scared of the foxes. You've got to go and do life-saving heart surgery. Bit of a difference there. <laughs> uh, but that's the whole point of the Doctor Next Door podcast. So, Neil, this feels like as good an opportunity as any to ask a very simple question. What do you actually do? <laughs> Great question, David. <laughs> I probably haven't told you yet, actually. No. no. We got but slightly distracted. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a heart specialist. I'm a cardiologist. And within that, my specialist interest is in two aspects. One, heart rhythm. So I deal with all aspects of abnormal heart rhythms, particularly doing procedures on patients, so pacemakers and special defibrillator-type devices. And also I do a procedure called catheter ablation, of which there are many types. And catheter ablation basically involves taking fine sort of biro-sized, biro-tip-sized wires and manipulating them in the heart, and then going to specific spots within the heart and heating abnormal pieces of tissue, which are causing people to have rapid heart rhythms. That's my specialty. And you've said to me in the past, uh, just to, so if our listeners knows what a laugh we are at family barbecues, um, you've said to me in the past that the irregular heart rhythm condition is much more common than people believe it is. I, I didn't realise it, it affected as many people as it does. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a huge spectrum of types of heart rhythm problems. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I do, because it's so varied and each patient is very different. But if we think about, for example, the most common type of heart rhythm abnormality called atrial fibrillation, about 20-25% of the population will get that heart rhythm problem by their 60s. By the time people are in their 80s, it could be up to 40% of the population, and it's one of the biggest causes of strokes. Almost a quarter of strokes, maybe more, are caused by this kind of heart rhythm. Not only that, is that patients are significantly disabled by this heart rhythm. Their heart beats all over the place. Sometimes their hearts start to fail, become weaker. And they also are unable to exercise, do the simple things that you want to do. So if you imagine you spent your whole life, you're gearing up to retirement, you had all these dreams and things. And then in your 60s, your heart rhythm's all over the place and you can't. It has a huge impact on these patients' lives. And it's more common than you think. The other thing I sort of tend to deal with quite a lot is slow heart rhythms or abnormal heart rhythms that need pacemakers. And again, that's a huge volume of patients that, as you get older, becomes a, a significant problem. The other joy of my job is I deal with lots of young people. So there are people who are born with abnormal electrical wires or systems in their heart that need tiny bits of zapping and can be completely cured of you know, rapid heart rhythms that are troubling them in their teens or their 20s and treat that kind of thing. Oh, that must be incredibly rewarding to do that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, not so long ago, we had a patient um, who had a cardiac arrest, actually. They had a rapid heart rhythm due to an abnormal circuit within their heart. The patient was 17, 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now I transferred them urgently over to our center. We were able to diagnose what it is. And literally within an hour or so of, you know, finding where the abnormal extra wire in the heart is, the extra circuit was within the heart. We were able to zap that and followed him up about three months later. He's absolutely fine. I don't need to see him ever again. He's never going to have a problem again. Fantastic. Fantastic. I think kind of your field of expertise was really brought onto the world stage at the Euros. Absolutely. Uh, when Christian Eriksen suffered. And it, what, what did he have? What happened to Christian Eriksen, um, Neil? So again, within heart rhythms, that's another side of my specialist interest. Rapid heart rhythms that can be lethal and particularly that can cause death or try to kill you um 
A Christian was just really extremely unlucky. Uh, by I mean, I'm not his physician, and I don't know the ins and outs of things, but from reading generally, I think we understand that he probably has a normal heart. The heart as a structure was abnormal. But he just had a very unlucky moment where the heart went into an abnormal rhythm. And we know that then when patients do that, they are sub-selecting themselves as a group of patients where that will happen again, which is why the team in Denmark fitted him with a special type of defibrillator to protect him. Actually, in reality... You mean the medical team, not the football team? I not the football that team. Out. Yeah, they, don't, they but, don't do that. But the football team did an absolutely fantastic you know, job, the football service around there in resuscitating him and the way the team handled mm-hmm. him. And this kind of lethal collapse, unexpected, is the biggest cause of death worldwide. And the biggest challenge and the problem that we face is that we really don't understand who that's going to happen to. That could be you, that could be me, that could be these guys sitting here recording our yeah, podcast. who are today. you guys? I don't Why know. Why are you in my house? Why are they in our house? <laughs> There's something to do with the fox, I think. Maybe the fox brought them in. Or they're running from the fox. <laughs> Well, I think that's enough about me, actually, David. I think it's time I got to know you a bit better. Now, I know you get up very early in the dark of night, suspiciously. Yeah. And I I know the foxes yelp quite a lot when that happens. But tell me a bit about, you know, what do you do? I'm not a comic book villain, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Under the cloak of darkness, making the foxes yelp. Um, I'm not the fox king. Uh, Well, I, I host a breakfast radio show. Uh, on Absolute Radio, which um, I've done for a few years now. And um, Breakfast Radio has always been my happy place, best place to be, because I think that it's the exact opposite of you, I'd imagine. If I've got no thinking time, then I'm at my best. Because I used to work in the afternoons. I've done home time shows before and I've done TV shows in, in the afternoons. And you wake up and you've got all day to think about whether that's going to be any good whether that's the right decision whether the audience are going to engage with that and it's just too long for me to overthink it so I'm much better getting up under the cloak of darkness playing with my fox friends getting into a taxi and just going for it and then at 10 a.m when the show finishes I kind of come up for air okay and then I get to assess whether it was any good or not okay so and often it's a solid six out of ten. So, you know, what more do you want? What more do you want? Exactly. <laughs> you can't have the same attitude in your job, can you? <laughs> oh, that procedure was a solid six out of ten. You'll be okay. You'll be all Don't right. Don't worry about exactly. it. Um, Neil, let me ask you something, okay? Because obviously you live next door to me. You're a medical professional. You're a cardiologist. But it's not just about that. You've got a wide ranging knowledge of all kind of topics when it comes to, to people's health. And I think something that has dogged humankind for hundreds of years is a hangover. I've had a few. Have you, David? You've had a few. I would never have guessed. <laughs> what a new year we well, had together. Yeah. Um, so is there a cure? I mean, obviously, prevention is the cure. Don't drink too much is, is the answer to this. We all know that. Yeah. But you've got it. You've been silly. You've got a hangover. The Christmas period has just gone before us. What can we actually do? Because there's rumours of coffee, you sleep it off, you can have greasy food. Is any of that stuff true? Are these just urban legends? Well, actually, you've researched quite well, clearly, David, because <laughs> those clearly are... It's a are... lifetime of research and it's ongoing. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it varies. Some people get really bad hangovers. I find that, you know, maybe as I got older, they're much harder to deal with. I don't mm. know about you. Mm. There's not really much you can do about them. The key things you can do are pre-hangover, i.e. when you're drinking, keep yourself hydrated. 
make sure you perhaps drink with food so that the absorption of the alcohol is slower. Okay. And there are some theories that certain drinks, for example, things that are clear, so things, for example, like vodka or gin, they may give you less of a likelihood to get a hangover than things that are darker, like whiskey or... You know, the tannins ale, in the red the wine is what's doing it for Those kind yeah. of things. Then the next bit, I think, is largely derived from sleep. I think our sleep in the context of having alcohol is poor. Um, you don't have a good night's sleep, you don't have a restful sleep, and maybe you snore a bit, which means that you deprive the brain of a little bit of the normal levels of oxygen. As and you your sleep. partner makes you sleep in the spare room or on the sofa. Yeah, yeah the this common effects. theme that's, that's coming back to me, David. No wonder I keep seeing you on the sofa every, every time I come to visit. And then when you wake up, the next step, I think, is hydration, because you're always very dehydrated. Alcohol makes you, is a diuretic. So alcohol makes you pass urine, and anybody who's sort of got to that opening the tap phase will find that they're, you know, passing urine all the time because of the alcohol drawing, you know, water out your kidneys, basically, out your system. And so rehydrating the next morning okay. is key. Pain relief, I think, is useful. So things like ibuprofen and paracetamol, very useful. And then you're probably low on sugar, so you're probably hypoglycemic in the next morning after a big alcohol binge. And so probably it is worth, A, having food that is slightly fatty, because it sort of gets your gallbladder and liver going, and having food that's got some carbohydrates, or some energy and some sugars in it to try and get that up. And beyond that and getting some more rest, there isn't really much to say in terms of magic cures for, for alcohol and hangovers. So, Neil, you're going to help me become a better person. And you're going to help me take a step closer towards becoming a doctor myself. Because each episode here on The Doctor Next Door, you're going to put me through my own medical training. And you've got three questions for me to ponder. And I hope you're playing along where you are. What have you got for me on this first episode? So I'm very excited to launch this important bit, which is Dave Goes to Medical School. Uh, the key every week, as you said, is we're going to have three types of questions. Ironically, in medical school, most of it is multiple choice, David. So you have actually a one in... No, it's not. It is. I mean, I've never done a, an exam that doesn't have multiple choice. So you have a one in four chance of getting wow. passing medical that school. That is so unsettling really very, news very for lucky. everyone to hear. <laughs> okay. But I'm not going to give you those choices. I'm going to make you be a bit more didactic. But there is going to be some true or false. Okay. So the first question... You know, we're out on a summer's afternoon. I can see you over the garden, you know, my usual behaviour, trying to avoid you, that kind of thing. And there you are, you know... Boxed into a corner by foxes. Boxed into a corner with foxes. <laughs> just, Why won't you just, leave me alone? Why won't you leave me alone? Exactly, yeah. And then there you are hammering, trying to do some DIY, yeah. trying to impress your good wife yeah. and your lovely daughter um, with regard to what a, you know, home guy you are. Yeah. And... Bang, bang, bang. Ow, I hear a big noise. And you have got a massive splinter in your finger. Okay. So the first thing I need you to think about is how are you going to get that splinter out and what okay. would be the best medical way of doing it. The next question I have for you is going to be a true or false question. So I'm going to tell you a term and you're going to tell me if you think it's a true medical term or not. And so the term you have to remember and think about and decide if it's true or not is sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia bless you thank you and you have to tell me okay. uh, if you think that's a, a real thing 
And if you do think it's a real medical term, bonus points if you can guess what it is. Okay. Okay. Making a note of this now. Yeah. And then our last question is going to be true or false. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read out a phrase. The human body is composed of 270 bones at birth. And that total decreases to 206 bones in adulthood. Is that true or is that false? Okay, so this is Dave's medical training, but it's not just for me. It's for you guys out there as well. So first, here's another podcast from the producers of Doctor Next Door that we think you're going to love. And then after that, we'll all be attempting to answer the doctor's questions. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Dr. Neil Srinivasan asked me three questions about the medical profession and now it is time to reveal the answers. I know you've jotted yours down where you are. Okay, what was the first question, Doctor? So, David, remember that time you were um, trying to impress me with your DIY skills um, in a desperate bid to try and get some medical advice? I like how homoerotic this has become already in episode one. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And you got the splinter in your finger. Oh, yeah. And you came banging on my my garden fence and you said, Neil, 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 help me. Yeah. And I uh, tried to teach you the best ways of getting the splinters out. Yeah. What were they? The best way of getting a splinter out I, can I have two? You can, can have I as have many as you like. And if one of them's right, can I have the point for that? You can have as many points as you like. Okay. I'm being that lenient because remember, medical school is all about one and four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, think you, I think I would either try and get it out with my teeth 
So effectively, my answer is suck it out. <laughs> um, or I'd probably try and get some tweezers. I would use tweezers on like my daughter. I think if she had a little splinter, that's what I would do. But I can also just imagine myself trying to nibble that little bad boy out from beneath the flesh. I see, David. So I'll give you the points. Tweezers is a good way. Okay. So the important thing actually is to make sure you disinfect your tweezers. Make sure they're rubbed with alcohol. And then you've got to pinch the end of the splinter. And then between that, trying to get the tweezers' arms on it and pull the splinter gently out. I would advise against using your mouth okay. to get and splinter out. Because I the could just, mouth I could is just full. pierce my lip with it. No, the no. mouth is full of germs. Yeah, well, I was about to say that Tons as well. of it's bacteria. Of, the mouth is full of germs. And then you've got some kind of splinter in there in, in sort of open wound. And you could infect your finger, for instance, right? Okay. So you want to avoid trying to yeah. sort of do that. I know you're looking at me as if no, I'm I've been doing that my whole life. No, exactly. This, yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what I had written down here. But I just, I ran out of paper. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely, so if you said tweezers, then yeah. you've got yourself a point. So well that's done. Uh, um, what was the second question? And then, so the second question is sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. Is it a real medical term or not? And what is it? I, I think, I don't think it is a real medical term. I think, it, oh no, hang on. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm giving you too no, many no, clues. No, you, you, the, the deep intake of breath. I, okay. I'll just, I'll play it straight here. Um, what I'd written down was it maybe something to do with horticulture or something to do with, with the garden. Maybe it was a, a, a kind of exotic type of tree or plant. Okay. So no, it is a real medical term. <laughs> Let me break that's, this to you gently. That's a, that's a I fail. I thought you guys are meant to be good at delivering bad news. Oh no, <laughs> not to pupils. <laughs> uh, what is it then? So that's the brain freeze that you get, an ice cream headache when you get a really ah. bad ice cream headache, when you put something really cold in your mouth and you get that really cold headache. So that's called sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. Wow. What, what were the clues in there? For people listening so, to this who got that right, is there Latin in there that there we should is, have been yeah, picking yeah. out? So palatine, obviously, to do with your palate. Palate, okay. Ganglio means the nerves and neuralgia is pain. And sveno is basically this bone in the vein called the, uh, around the skull called the sphenoid bone. So sphenopalatine, so around that area, pain painful um, nerves basically Are you sure it's not a cactus um 100 percent. Sure. okay 100%. Uh, and what was the and final the last, question last one was about the bones in the body uh the body is composed of 270 bones at birth and then uh, decreases to 206 bones by adulthood true or false it's got to be false no david one out of three and even then, that's you being jealous. That's even me being jealous, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we'll how do, do, you, how do you lose that many bones? So you start with uh, 270 bones. So when our kids were born, for example, they had lots of bones and soft bits of bones everywhere because that's what you're meant to do. Have, you know, small bones, soft bones that are able to come out and be born out of the womb. Um, as you become an adult, you have about 206 bones in total. And the reason is that a lot of the bones that you have as a child fuse together, form one thing, their oh. union. Oh, okay. So that's why... Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, no, that is, it is interesting. But as, mm. I mean, them fusing together, it's still the same bones. I've yes. not lost any bones. No, you haven't lost any. No, yet. I'm just going to say, I'd, I'd get, I would have given me a point for that, but, but it's fine, <laughs> whatever. Now, in each episode of the podcast, I'm going to come to Dr. Neil with a burning medical question. From the outrageous to the mundane, we're going to get to the bottom of some of the many myths in medicine. And as this is our first foray into the world of Dr. Neil, I thought I'd keep this first question close to home. Are all surgeons egomaniacs? <laughs> 
Good question, David. You've been watching me. <laughs> You're watching me too much from the garden fence, I think. Yeah. Um, I think you need a certain type of personality to do this kind of job. You need a degree of self-resilience. You need a degree of self-belief. You need a degree of the ability to persevere when you know you feel tired, you feel exhausted. It's a long training career. All of those things. Um, and you also need a bit of uh, ability to take the knocks and not let them knock your confidence where things go wrong or where something happens to not let that affect you. So there is a degree of personality trait that's involved in that. I think the concept of, you know, surgeons being arrogant and not wanting to talk to patients or being, you know, rather self-centered maybe is something that's changing over time. I think in medicine, we select different types of characters now than perhaps we did in the last 20 or 30 years. And there is a need for um, surgeons and doctors and everybody in health professions to be more approachable, to be more amenable to their patients and to be more humble and honest. And I think if you're able to do that in the modern era, then you're able to offer your patients a better outcome and a better service by being, you know, approachable and also you know capable of saying I'm not sure or I'm going to ask for help for something um, and I think that makes a big difference. Plus I suppose you can't be too much of an egomaniac because you have to have the kind of ego that's happy to ask for help and happy to turn to somebody if you're feeling that, that this is out of your comfort zone and you know somebody's life or somebody's health is at risk then you need to be able to, to park any bravado you need to be able to go and you know find assistance somewhere. Yeah, I think so. And the other thing to say, I think, is that there's some degrees of generational change. In the same way you see, I don't know, in football, there's managerial generational changes from people who used to bark orders to now people who listen more to their team, those kind of things. You see that in society as well, in the way that people manage teams in large companies compared to you know 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And I think you see that in people who do medicine in, as a whole. I think you see that also in people who are doing surgical careers. It might be that for an older generation, it was more common to be, you know, I have no flaws. I am completely flawless. I'm a perfect human being. And that's what keeps my psyche able to do it. I think in our modern training, we learn to accept our weaknesses. We learn to reflect on our, some of our shortcomings. Because if you don't do that, then you don't improve. And I think the important thing, I think, in the modern surgeon is to be humble. The ability to be humble and say actually to your patient, honestly, I don't know, or I'm not sure, but I know a way of finding out for you. Or honestly, I'm not sure if we can get you through this procedure safely, but I'll try to do X, Y, Z, what do you think? And engaging with your patient. I think patients value that. And so that's something I try to encourage in what I do. One of the things we touched on um, over a beer uh, some time ago which I found fascinating for you to say was, and it's interesting you bring up football or, you know, less athletes, you know, on the whole, but there is a sweet spot for surgeons. There is a, there is a time when you're kind of inexperienced. So you're that, you're that young athlete. Then there's the prime time and it's actually a window. You have a window where you're mentally and you're physically sharp enough to be at the very top of your game. And that window isn't as big as people think. It's not like you, you were saying to me, a top cardiologist, heart surgeon or any surgeon into your 50s and 60s and then you just kind of retire. There's, there's a specific time period. So I think you do grow in the profession. I mean, anybody who's doing any procedures... In, in my field of work, I'm sure if they're a consultant, they're more than capable for their patient. 
But if you speak to people, I think people will say that they grow over their early years and they have this experiential further learning past their initial training in the first, let's say, two to five years. At that point, I think most people feel that, you know, I've been responsible for all manner of difficult cases. I've been in difficult situations and I've got out of it. I know what to do in any situation. I'm in control. And I think there comes this window, therefore, then when you plateau and you're really at your peak. When you speak to people as they get older, their practice changes. I don't know whether that's because medicine evolves over time and then you don't learn as much of the things that are coming on from the new generation. Okay. Yeah. Or, or more that maybe some of your experience makes you a more cautious individual as you grow older. Or in some people, they do describe that, you know, their hand-eye coordination or simple coordination start to go and the things that they were capable of doing in their 40s and 50s are different towards their late 50s or 60s. Uh -huh. So there's certainly a degree of change in behavior and change in practice. And I think there probably is a sort of peak window where you think, okay, I'm really at the peak of my game, a bit like in professional football uh -huh. and things. Um, and then there comes a point where you think, actually, I'll back off and I'll be less you know, involved in the high-risk procedures, but I'll still offer a great service to my patients. Time to go to Doncaster Rovers. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to all you Doncaster fans who might be listening to this. Um, so basically, to answer that big question, are surgeons egomaniacs? I think the conclusion here is, is that there is an element of ego because you need to have the bravado to stand there yeah. and want to do that. And, and you need that self-belief and self-confidence. That self-belief and self-confidence. But also you need to be able to ask for help. You need to be able to know when it's time to move on. So it's a, it's a real balancing act. And you need to be reflective, yeah, and humble. And I think if, you, if you've got those skills, then you'll offer your patients the best possible service. Now, Doctor Next Door isn't just about Dr. Neil and myself. We want you to be part of the neighbourhood as we build this podcast from scratch. You don't have to have a doctor on your street, but we're sure you have some medical tales to tell of your own. Whether you are a doctor, nurse, maybe even a brain surgeon, or maybe you're just a curious bystander like myself, we want you to be part of these conversations. So email us. It's doctor at nextdoorpod.com. That's doctor at nextdoorpod.com. Or you can find us on the socials at Doctor Next Door Pod. And that's it for the first episode of Doctor Next Door. As ever, thank you for tuning in out there. And a huge thank you to my next door neighbour, my friend, Dr. Neil Srinivasan. Next time, Neil will once again be popping around for a cup of tea and a chat. And you're going to bring the biscuits. I'll have more burning questions. We'll have some stories from the street. And if you pull your finger out, we'll have some of your stories to share as well. Please rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you do know a doctor, nurse or medical professional who you think might like what you've heard, then why not let them know? Right. Get out of my house. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.